Welcome, you have found Out of the Ordinary, the show that helps you grow a daily life that matters. I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. And in this episode, we are talking about literally helping you grow a daily life that matters. And bonus is incredibly beautiful, too. Yep. It is actually the conversation I've been waiting a year, a year to have. And it comes with a video trailer. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Get comfy. Here we go. Our listeners don't know this, but this episode today is one year in the making. I have been waiting for a year to have this (laughs) conversation. I kid you not. Feels appropriate that it's right here on the heels of Christmas and Advent, the season of waiting, Mm -hmm. but I'm not a patient waiter and I'm so excited about this conversation. And what's funny though, is that you dear listeners actually are part of the conversation in such an intrinsic way. You don't even know it. You know, we always encourage you to leave reviews for us, and I was reading some of them this week, and there's one that stood out to me that so perfectly captured (laughs) what I've been waiting for. They're describing the podcast, but they don't know that they're also describing the arrival of this beautiful thing we're going to talk to you about today. Christy, you you have to read the review. (laughs) I will, I will. It's from Invasion of the Metaphor. So that's the username right here. I just have to stop and say, love that invasion of the metaphor. (laughs) She says, this is my favorite podcast of all time. I'll add the (laughs) woohoo. Christy and Lisa Joe exude warmth and wisdom and deep rooted joy. I love that they share their heartache with us and invite us into the things that have been hard and broken in their own lives, but always in a way that is ultimately full of meaning and hope rather than emptiness and despair. I feel less alone and braver after each episode, which is truly a gift that they give with the help of the Holy Spirit. Thank you so very much, and please keep doing what you are doing. Invasion of the Metaphor, thank you. (laughs) Ah, you made our day with this. Thank you, thank you. I love it. I wish we could read every review out because they really are so special to us. I mean, Dog Love 7777 said that she discovered us during the pandemic and listened to every single episode from the beginning, <laughs> which <Aww>. is quite <laughs> an accomplishment. So we love that you listen with us. We love that you get what we are trying to do here. Take the ordinary and the mundane and find the beautiful deep down at the roots, which allows me to transition into my excitement about today. Friends, coming to us at the end of this month is a book by Christy that honestly, it's been over a year. I've been talking to her about it. She's holding it up. I can see it in front of me. I'm very sad because my copy has not arrived yet. It is en route, but it is a hardcover plum love letter to the garden. It is called Garden maker. And it is not just for the gardener. It is for all of us who love the kinds of things we talk about on this podcast, about the deep roots that grow the real stories, how we have always said the very best stories grow out of the soil of ordinary life. And Chrissy, our favorite gardener, lives that out in practice through her green thumbs. And today is the first in a series of two conversations where we share some of the, what do the kids say? The BTS behind the scenes of Garden Maker. (laughs) (laughs) And we're really excited. And I want to say here, those of you that are listening, 
what we're planning to do this week, one or I guess in the season of Garden Maker when it comes out, is we are going to go and pick one of the people uh, who tags us in this show in your Instagram stories or on Facebook. If you can tag Chrissy Purifoy, you can tag Lisa Joe Baker, who shares about the podcast. We would love to send you a copy of Garden Maker. So Ooh. go ahead between now and the end of January. So we'll give you this whole rest of the month. Uh, share about share about the podcast, share what you love about it, share a screenshot, tell the world about it. As long as you tag us, we can find you and we'd love to send you a copy of Garden Maker. Now, that said, we need to walk you back in time to the end of this past summer when Peter and I and our family went to visit the Garden Maker at her home and sat in her garden. Christy, can we tell them that story? Oh, yeah. You know, I'm just remembering. So I remember that day very well, but I hadn't remembered until this moment that that was the first time you all together came back to Maplehurst since the start of the pandemic. So it had been a long, long time. And then you're right. You came, you returned, and we sat in the garden. And I am the garden maker, but even I will say it was glorious. It was. (laughs) I mean, it was ridiculous. It looked like it had been lit perfectly for a film set or a magazine cover. Yeah. felt like the garden was just shaking out all of her beautiful skirts and twirling in the evening light for us. It was so beautiful. And we want to share the story here before we get into the book itself next week, because gardens are for people, right? Mm-hmm. Gardens are mm-hmm. for people. And I think, Christy, you As we think about the garden, your garden, maybe you can just give us a little bit of the taste of the reminder of why gardens are for people, why we need Mm -hmm. gardens when we think about sitting out there with you and especially those of us in the middle of winter now who might not have a garden and are trying to envision what that was like. Yeah, I think, oh, this is so important to me to say that gardens are not just for gardeners. Gardens are for everyone. And so to be able to share my garden that day with you and Peter and all the kids was so, so special. And the reason gardens are for people is because, well, let's just like go back to the first page of the Bible. Like God made a garden and then he made people and he put his people in a garden. (laughs) It's really that simple. I love the description actually in Genesis of that garden. I don't know what you, what you dear listener picture when you think about uh, that first garden, when you picture Eden. Um, But if you go back and read, you might be surprised to realize that what's described is actually a garden of trees. Mm. Yeah. So I think, I think that's it. I feel so passionately about making gardens, sharing gardens with people and writing and photographing my garden and sharing the beauty of the garden with everyone because I know that everyone was made for a garden. So I know that everyone has something inside of them, like deep down an ache, a longing, a need that is met by a garden, that is met by a grove of trees, that is met by the beauty of flowers. And that if we pay attention and if other people make a garden for us or invite us into their garden or just remind us of the beauty of a garden, then we might we might feel that ache. We might remember that longing that might be so deeply buried you've never even noticed or never even thought about it. 
And so I want to be the person who reminds you, you were made for this. You need this. So find this. And um, I do hope that our listeners can find it. Now, that's the thing. We might have to wait, right? I'm sitting here. It's January at Maplehurst. I'm looking out of my window. It's so bleak. But gardens are worth waiting for. Mm. Gardens are absolutely worth waiting for. And sometimes it's in the waiting that that longing builds. And then when spring comes or maybe we're, we we get to go on vacation, we leave our city apartment and we go out, we find a garden, um, then that moment is just that much more meaningful and special because we've waited for it. But gardens are absolutely for people and they're for all people. That means you who think you don't have a green thumb. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad we started here because this is such a perfect capsule of the book because this isn't a book necessarily on the how-tos of gardening. There are how-tos in the book, but this book is actually a love letter to gardens. It's a it's a book that is reminding the reader about that ache in our soul that gardens fulfill and why. What is the garden pointing us to? And so it's a collection of essays. It's also full of Christie's photographs. That's so much I want to talk about, but we're going to save that till next week. And I will simply say this, Christy, when you describe the Genesis Garden for the first time, I've thought about Adam and Eve experience differently. I think Mm. often when I read those scriptures, I'm thinking about God creating, big, powerful God, and he's he's creating out of nothing. It's very dramatic and powerful and beautiful and awe-inspiring. And I'm also anticipating the sin that's going to ruin all of it in the story. I know the plot. But honestly, when you talked now and you went from the moment when Peter and I visited you in your glorious garden to Genesis, I suddenly imagined, oh my goodness, God created this beautiful space. They didn't have to do anything. They got to just arrive and Mm. be at home in Mm. God's garden. And that is the feeling I get when I come to Maplehurst. There is always this feeling of undeserved delight and joy, which I think is sort of the essence of grace, right? Something you you don't deserve. You didn't do anything to deserve it. And I'm sorry for those of you who've never been there in person, but allow me, drive with me in my car. (laughs) When you arrive at Maplehurst, there really is this tree-lined greeting is how it feels. All these beautiful old maple trees and you drive down and there's the porch and the house and the people spilling out of the house, waving us in. That's always my favorite part, how we don't have to be like knocking on the door. Hi, we're here. There's always someone out there waiting for you, like the prodigal father. He's out, you know, Christy and John and their kids and their bikes and their scooters and the cats and the chickens. There's always somebody waiting for you. And the garden is so beautiful and there's something so undeserved about getting to walk into someone else's garden because you get to have the magazine experience. Here are the glorious roses. Here's the lilac. Here's the lavender. Here are the big, you know, weep, the big, uh, now I feel like I'm going to not know the right words and you have to intercede for me. What are the names of some of the plants in your garden? (laughs) Help me. That's okay, because garden makers full of them. I'm trying to think what was really blooming that particular moment when you were here. Um, it would be things like verbascum and nepeta and orlia, things like words maybe our listeners have never even heard before, but actually these are really common, easy to grow flowers. And I celebrate them in this book because I've fallen in love with them. So a lot of purple and white. I think the lace flowers, like the Queen Anne's lace, the chocolate lace flowers that come in all those like 
pink and chocolatey shades. Um, I, yeah, so I, I'm pretty sure that's what was blooming that day. Plus, I'm sure all the flowers were just buzzing with bees and butterflies. So it's like, a, I, I love that too, because now it's like really alive. Right. And it felt so undeserved. So we got to sit down in the garden. I feel like John had limoncello that he poured for us. It was delightful yes, to drink that little right. taste of Italy in a Pennsylvania garden. Yeah. And it was the undeserved grace of that moment. And I think the friendship that made it so sweet that for the first time has helped me picture Eden in a completely different way. Like God created something beautiful and intimate, like a love letter, and he brought people into it and they didn't deserve it. And it was his gift to them. It was the overflow of who he is, of his creativity. And they got to enjoy it and they walked in the garden with him. How have I never how have I never made the connection <laughs> between that and my actual life? Because that is how I feel in your garden. I I literally feel like the garden maker is here. And what's so wonderful about my friendship with Christy and I think of course this is not to do with me, it's to do with Christy, is there's never any sense of exhale like or sighing. She's never like, oh, and it's such a drag. Like you should, oh, I've worked so many hours or nobody helps me in the garden or it's been so difficult or my back is killing me. Like there's none of that. And I know that's all true, <laughs> but there's none of that. There's just delight. There's joy. There's pull up a chair, sit down first, Lisa, Joe, and Pete. John's bringing over drinks and Christy is just sitting there with us enjoying the garden. She isn't making us bear the burden of how hard growing the garden was or sustaining the garden. She is just like pouring the garden into our laps. And it is the most revitalizing experience. That's really good to hear because I don't <laughs> think about it from your perspective. You know, I just think about it from my own. And the gift of having friends come into your garden is that you may see a weed, but you don't pull it. You just sit and talk to your friend. Whereas <laughs> if I'm on my own, I can never <laughs> stop working. <laughs> so friends come in and they give you a gift as well. They give you a break from the work, um, which is sometimes an absolute joy and sometimes not. You know, it can be both. Um, they give you a break from the work and then you get to see it through their eyes and uh, and just experience the garden, which I know I don't I don't do enough of. So, yeah, I remember we sat in the very center of the flower garden um, so there's like four paths that cross and where they cross is kind of a big gravel circle. And we have a glass topped table there uh, with an umbrella. And we ordered pizza from our favorite local pizza place. I know the bakers love <laughs> Brothers Pizza. Of course we did, in- because I feel like the basil on the pizza counts like eating from yeah. the garden. <laughs> Yeah, we ate our pizza. I think it was also special because we have another table on the other side of the house. And I think all the kids were over there, if I'm remembering. And our little glass table in the garden. Yeah, it only seats four. So the four of us just sat there and enjoyed. But you know what else I think that made that moment special for me is that you and Peter both... so, so here's the thing. When someone comes into my garden, I don't, I don't assume that they're going to want to talk about the garden. I don't assume that they're going to look around them and, and notice the beauty, let alone comment on it or ask about it. Because the truth is a lot of people, um, they don't do that. I don't know why. Maybe they're preoccupied or maybe they don't know what to ask or um, I, I don't know. Or maybe we're just busy and we launch into conversation. But when we sat down together, I I sensed that you and especially Peter were really awake to the beauty mm-hmm. around you. 
and you and you wanted to just sit and look at it and you wanted to ask about it and peter had questions like what is this plant how do you grow this how did you decide to do that um and it doesn't always have to be that way when i sit with friends in the garden but as the maker of the garden that was really enjoyable and really satisfying it's like it's somehow like honoring the artist who created something to to really take the time to pay attention, to receive it well, to ask questions. Um, that's a gift you gave me in return in my garden. So thanks for that. Well, I think there have been many years we haven't done that. We we didn't realize. I, I had no idea. I think it's easy to walk into a garden and take it for granted. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what happens a lot of the time. And I do think that is the gift of the garden maker. I think you're good at that too, letting people come and just enjoy it. And it never occurs to anyone, oh, somebody worked really hard to plant these bulbs or to trim back the weeds. It doesn't just always look this way. And since we moved into our own house and have quite a big yard and lots of space for a garden and Peter has gotten more and more interested in it, and I've now pulled a lot of weeds I can't look at a picture of, say, Kensington Palace Gardens without thinking, oh, my word, how what is, how large is the staff of gardeners who yeah. work there? Like, <laughs> how do they handle that? Or if I see a photograph of a beautiful cottage and it's got those white pebble paths leading up to it and there are no green weeds poking through, all I can think is who spends their time just picking weeds like somebody is doing that. And so Pete and I were actually at a place, too, where we were hungry for more than just the beauty of the garden. We were hungry to understand the garden-making work. And if I remember correctly, on that trip, Peter had actually prepared ahead of time. He had been sending you pictures of our garden. He had been asking questions. And before we sat down in your garden, you took us on a garden trip to a nursery to pick out plants and flowers for our garden, which let me just say, I have not done that in years. The last time I did that was with my father, probably in South Africa. And I didn't pay close attention because it wasn't my garden. It's his garden. right? But Mm -hmm. this time was such a different kind of experience. I felt like we were explorers in a new land and I didn't speak the language. There are all these complicated names and times of day they times of year and day and sunlight you have to pay attention to and how much will it cost and will it bloom and did it bloom already? And watching you and Peter, I mean I stepped back and just watched you and Peter navigate your way through this formal nursery garden where things are for sale. It was really fun to just observe the two of you speaking your own language. And I think one of the things I love about you as a gardener is your patience. I don't feel that you need to be a know-it-all. You know, it's hard to learn from somebody who just wants to show off how much they know. But instead, because you are a lover of gardens and people, you were slowly easing us in (laughs) to everything that you know. (laughs) You didn't tell us everything at once, you know. You gently shared around the plants we were interested in. And and so it felt empowering. And so when Peter and I strolled through all the different pathways, pulling our little wagon and adding plants to it, and we would see something and then you would tell Pete, I can give you a cutting of that. Don't get this. And we loaded up the car. Everything about that experience was enjoyable. And that was the precursor to us sitting in your garden, which is why I think the garden experience felt so much more intentional. Because suddenly I was 
looking around at the purple and the lace and thinking, oh, these things have names. And, oh, Chrissy bought these from somewhere. Oh, this is what she means about how they just reseed themselves. How is it possible? There's so much of this one kind. How I would think, you know, I was like, I realized now how much plants cost. And I kept saying, oh, my goodness, how many of these did you have to buy? And you would say, no, 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 they just reseeded. So there was a sense of the bounty of the garden and the story behind it that made sitting there sipping our limoncello in the most glorious evening golden light and the little tiny butterflies and the bees that just made the experience so much richer. Do you know why is it, Lisa Joe? because I certainly do this, why is it that we assume that if something is for us, if we were made for something, that it should just come naturally. It should just already be in our head, Yes, already be there, that we shouldn't have to work for it. We shouldn't have to learn. We shouldn't have to try. We shouldn't have to be curious. It should just be there. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I mean, how, oh my goodness, how many things have I avoided or never pursued because I just think, well, that sounds hard. <laughs> um, and the thing about gardening, and I think this is the reason, it's good to have that affirmed by you, but this is the reason why I do, and especially in this book, Garden Maker, have have almost tiptoed very gently and patiently, I guess, because I know how easy it would be to scare people off by making it too complicated, by making it too hard, because I was that person. I was that person who could never imagine gardening, who didn't even think about it, because of course that was too hard. Of course, I wasn't a scientist who understood like soil composition. (laughs) And of course, like, no, it just seemed way too hard. And so, the fact that I was a person who didn't think this was for me, and now I'm a person whose life has been utterly changed <laughs> by gardening for the better, whose every day is enriched because I go to bed at night dreaming about my new garden beds that I'm going to start this spring, you know? <laughs> but here's the thing. I mean, just because God made us for a garden doesn't mean we're born knowing all the names of the plants, exactly how to do everything. And especially for those of us who may have been raised in environments where we just, we had no access. We weren't taught, we weren't shown, it wasn't modeled. Or maybe you're like me and it was, or like you, you even went to the nursery with your dad to pick up plants. I grew up with a father who was, who is a gardener. Um, We always had a beautiful garden at our home in Texas. My father grew roses. He he grew all kinds of things. Um, I invoke him frequently (laughs) in my gardening books. But I didn't pay attention either. It was just the backdrop. I... um, and I never imagined I would follow in his footsteps. So yeah, whether you grow, you grew up seeing it modeled or not, I think um, most of us find ourselves in this place where we, we actually have no idea what to do or how to begin. We think maybe it's not for us. We had a house plant. We killed it. Yeah. Um, let me just stop right there and say house plants are the hardest. So if you killed a house plant and you think you're not a gardener, like, no. <laughs> Why? Again. Why is that? Do you, well, that's so, house plants are harder than gardens? How do you mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know why? Because anything that you are totally responsible for, it just means there's more room for error. So when you have a a plant in a pot in your house, now you are responsible for all of its light, its water, its soil, its feeding, the proper care of everything. Whereas my flower garden out there, you know, it's going to grow whether I show up or not because it's going to get rained on, the sun's going to shine on it, right? So I'm not responsible for every last little bit. So um, anything in a pot, anything in your house, Yeah, that's like the hardest gardening to do. So what you're saying is playing God is difficult. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. But isn't it wild that we have this assumption that, oh, it should be easier if it's going to be a good gift in my life. And um, gardening can be easy. Maybe it's not as hard as you think. And yet it's also a, something to learn. And it's a joy to learn. And I have loved learning about it. But yeah, that's absolutely my mission is to be very gentle and just say, why not? Why not just buy the zinnia seeds and throw them out there and see what happens? Why not? What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious what you say to the person listening who doesn't have a big space for a garden, somebody who is in an apartment or a condo or in a city, and they're listening and thinking, oh, well, I guess this episode's not for me. You know, what? what is it that you're saying to them? Because the book speaks to those people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a couple of things, like remember our first, I think it was our very first podcast episode, Grass Seeds, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> How did it begin for me? It began in that, I think, sixth floor Chicago apartment on the lake, no balcony, no patio, of course, no backyard, no window boxes, nothing, and no real desire to garden, but I did have a desire. The thing I was aware of is that the winters were long, they were cold, and I missed fresh green grass. So I, <laughs> I took my friend's advice and I bought grass seed and I started it in little yogurt pots on the windowsill just because then I could like touch it and I could snip it with scissors and I could smell <laughs> fresh green grass. That's my favorite story. <laughs> So, I mean, it can look like a lot of things, you know, it's the tending, whether that's a yogurt pot of grass or a big flower garden, it's the tending that matters. But also, you know, I'll be the first to say that I'm, I'm not saying every one of us has to make gardens. Maybe you won't make gardens, but you can seek them out. Yeah, that's what you I know, was there thinking. Are, there are public gardens. Your friends might have gardens. You know, you can be the Lisa Joe to someone's Christy. You can go to their <laughs> house and ask questions and admire. You can go to garden centers. You can go to flower shows. Like this, this world is for you too. Um, so I know like just here in my own community, Everyone I know loves to go to Longwood Gardens, the big, you know, botanical gardens in our area. I mean, they are absolutely for everyone. Mm -hmm. And I don't know a person locally who doesn't enjoy going there. And it's just because we get we get to go and enjoy it. And I go and enjoy it. So gardens are they're like works of art that everybody gets invited into to, you know, be a part of and to enjoy from the inside out. So um, I think, too, you know, so I was glad you started this conversation by saying, like this book isn't just for the gardeners out there because, you know, as I was writing it, I just kept thinking, I want, I want people on a cold January day who maybe don't have a garden, who don't think they're ever going to have a garden to just have the pleasure of sitting down and reading about lilies and tulips and the gardening life. I mean, that's what books are for, right? They give us a chance to live vicariously. Um, I read about all kinds of things that I'm probably never going to do, but I've sort of experienced them because I've read about them. I mean, this is the magic of books. This is why you and I talk so much about books and reading. So, like, that's I, I hope there are people who will read the book and maybe they won't go out and start gardening, but they're going to have the pleasure of it. They're going to have something of that experience just because they've read the book. And I would add they're going to have a new lens because I think that's what my friendship with you has done. And I think this book is 
people who don't get to hang out with you in person their opportunity to sit down with Christy, the garden maker, and learn from her. And it teaches you to see the world differently. So here's an example. Even though we live on a property where I could have this traumatic garden, I don't. We have tons of weeds. We start things and they fail. We never follow through. We are the worst. But our property is located on a street called Forest, Forest Avenue, and it lives up to its name every season of the year. And I think because of my friendship with Christy, I see those trees differently. I love them. I (laughs) swoon over them in the fall. I'm ecstatic when it looks like a Christmas card that I'm driving through in the winter. In the spring, I almost cry when I see the buds come back. And in the summer, it is a canopy of green cathedral church is the only way to describe it. And I see them that way because I see trees differently because of all these conversations I've had with Christy over the years. I now see flowers differently, too, just from my time spent with you at the nursery or sitting in your garden, hearing you identify the names of flowers. When I'm out and about, I kid you not, Christy, like at a mall and there's a planter with flowers (laughs) in it, or I'm in a parking lot and I'm noticing how they've planted rows of flowers at Costco, or I'm at a park or I'm at my kid's school, or I could go on and on at church when I saw the different flowers they brought in for winter. Every time I see flowers now, I think what's changed for me is I don't just take it for granted. They are not a kind of background scenery I just pass by. I now slow down because I immediately think, oh, wow, somebody picked those out and bought them or grew them from seed and waters them and tends them and chose those colors. And I'm interested when I'm traveling on the road, you know, those little islands they have. Mm -hmm. Now I pay attention that they have different plants there all through the year. I think that's what Garden Maker does. It gives you eyes to see how everywhere we are actually surrounded by this living world that adds so much beauty and so many layers to our experience of the world that are available for us. And I know it's working because my children now, I'll notice them saying, oh, did you see the trees or did you see the sky this morning? And did you see that plant I noticed? Do you think dad would like that one? No. (laughs) I, I think that's what the book does. It gives us a garden maker's eyes. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And to go back to that day, sitting at that table in the garden with you and Peter and Jonathan, I think it it mattered. It absolutely mattered that we were sitting in a garden, having the conversations we were having, you know, as we reconnected after all that long separation, as we talked about reentry, um, as we just reconnected. It mattered that we were doing that in a garden. And so, Gardens, as as you've just said, are not just backdrop. And I think that is something that it's important for all of us to recognize, again, whether we keep a garden or not, but to recognize that this natural world around us is not just backdrop. And oh my goodness, Lisa Jo, I could just go on and on like parsing the theology of creation. But scripture is very clear that like trees are clapping their hands, that if we're not praising God, the rocks would cry out. I mean, there is, there's stuff happening out there. (laughs) (laughs) And when you start noticing it, then uh, you realize just how much a part of like this incredible created chorus that we are. And we may be at the head of it in some sense, you know, God charged Adam with naming the animals. You know, we have that role. I have that role in my garden to like say, these are the names of these flowers. Here's what I've gathered in this space. But but they're alive. They're alive and created by God. And that is just a wild 
spiritually. That is just a wild thing. And so, I just believe that we're physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally nourished in these kind of spaces um, in ways that are different in other spaces. So, it is great to gather with you and Peter around our kitchen table. That's awesome. Really amazing things happen there. But that day gathered in the garden where, where like creation was just singing around us, we were filled with a joy that I think was just so rich that that's why we haven't been able to stop thinking about it. So I have a um, funny line or essay in the book. Actually, maybe I'll, I'll even look for it to read it. Um, but essentially, it says that <laughs> it's about garden parties. And essentially, it says like, you know, one of the most important reasons to plant like a really magnificent, slow growing tree is to secure the future of the garden party. Because a garden party underneath branches decked with lanterns or fairy lights, like that is such an amazing gathering. So go ahead, plant an oak tree so that in a hundred years, someone can have the most amazing garden party. (laughs) I'm so grateful for the big, like my big magnolia tree here at, at Maplehurst that someone planted. And now I, do you remember when you released, um, your last book and we had, um, we had that party, we had the live podcast, um, and we hung land glass lanterns from the branches of the magnolia tree. And I think I put, I don't think I put real candles. I think I used battery right, candles. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't want to burn the tree down, but I used battery <laughs> candles. That was like my favorite. I'll never I think there were a few guests. I like walked them over there. Yeah. Did you see the tree? <laughs> Come, let's sit under the tree because it was so magical. Oh. Um, so that's, you know, space is important and there are, there's just a kind of sacred space available underneath the branches of a tree or in a flower garden that is really powerful. And what a reminder of how connected we are, right, as a community, eh? that hundreds of years ago, people lived in this space and they planted a tree and the tree remains and connects us to them. And we know that trees are connected. I've always loved your research that you've shared about how in forests, trees are all connected to each other, Mm -hmm. their root systems Mm -hmm. and um, how they move in the wind. And it is a it is one of those uh, fairy tale magical reminders of how plants and trees are are alive. They are bearing witness in a way we don't know. I mean, I don't want to weird you all out, but that is something to think about, right? That there is the silent chorus bearing witness to our lives and we don't know. <laughs> we just don't know what that is or says or will be, what it will how what is here now will translate into the kingdom of God in heaven. I, I just think it's such a good reminder that we are surrounded by life everywhere and all of it bearing witness to the creator. It's not something that as humans, we can recreate ourselves. Like the material, the base material itself is not something we can create. I One of my favorite jokes, actually, uh, I always tell my kids this, how a group of scientists approached God and said, listen, God, we have figured out how to do what you do. We too can now genetically create humans. Uh-huh. We can do it, God. Let's have a human off. Like, let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> let's see whose human is better. And God's like, okay. And so the scientists reach down and grab a handful of dirt out of the earth, like how God created Adam. And then God goes, uh, 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 gotta make your own dirt too. (laughs) (laughs) But it just reminds me like the building blocks of life are something human beings cannot create themselves out of nothing. 
God is the creator. And so essentially all of creation testifies to that and the scripture says it everywhere. Mm-hmm. And you talked about the grace of just receiving the garden when you come to Maplehurst. But here's the crazy truth. As a gardener, essentially I've made this garden, essentially. And yet, when it is at its best, when springtime comes or it's early summer and the roses are blooming, I just feel like it is all a gift. It feels like I don't look around and sit and think and pat myself on the back and think, I did this. I made this. I am in awe. (laughs) I'm in awe the way you're in awe. And I just look around and think, where did this come from? How did this happen? How am I so lucky? How is this my life? (laughs) Because of these flowers. And so for me as well, it is absolute grace. It is absolute gift um, and such a joy. But I'll just, I'll return to that podcast review we started with because she, she talks about the deep rooted joy that is, is such a part of our podcast and our conversations. Um, but she says as well, they share the heartache with us. They invite us into the things that have been hard and broken in their in their own lives, but always in a way that is ultimately full of meaning and hope rather than emptiness and despair. So maybe here at the end of the conversation, and we'll, we'll continue this next week, but I'll be the first to say it's not it's not always easy. And um, if if you're going to come into the world of a of a garden, if you're going to become a garden maker yourself. Something as simple as a weather report can like send you to your knees in prayer because <laughs> you're, de- you know, like a freeze is coming and you're, you know, you're like, no, no, please don't freeze the apricot blossoms or please don't kill my tomatoes or whatever it is. Right. So you will, you are opening yourselves up to more hurt and to more disappointment and to more grief. Um, you are. And yet, it is anything but emptiness and despair. Um, Become a garden maker or have your eyes opened to the gift of the garden. And winter, those winter seasons, whatever form they come, will no longer be empty, will no longer seem like only, you know, seasons of despair because you know the work that that winter is doing in bringing you towards spring. You know that, like, even now, I'm aware of all the bulbs I planted in the fall And I am just thinking about them sleeping under this frozen soil, and I'm so excited to see them in the spring. That's what winter is is like now that that I'm a garden maker. So it's not without heartache. It's not without grief, but it is without despair. (laughs) And it's with so much anticipation of that day when... You know, the veil is pulled back and heaven is a place on earth and God is our, our king here and now. And we, um, we garden with him forever. I mean, that's, that's the, that's the hope. That's, that's, uh, I think that's what a garden just keeps my eyes, you know, always sort of open to and, and aware of. Um, oh, man, I, I want spring to yeah, come now. <laughs> you're making me homesick for a garden I haven't been to, I feel like. <laughs> If you're listening and just wishing you could see Christy's garden, you can. We will link in the show notes the trailer for the book Garden Maker and a fun little behind the scenes. Well, maybe I'll save that for next week. You'll have to come back. We'll share some of the behind the scenes of the making of the trailer, but you can enjoy it today. It shows the garden honestly in like her most splendid. Like if the garden is a woman, this evening when she was photographed is her arriving at the Academy Awards. I mean, she is glorious in this trailer. So if you are eager for the book, please go ahead and pre-order it. I won't say what I know Christy knows is that pre-orders are so important to authors 
who are trying to grow their words out into the world. So um, come and buy the seeds, which are Christy's book that we are, she's sending out into the world to grow into the hearts of others. And come back next week. We have some fun behind the scenes to share about the trailer, about the book cover, about some of the stories inside of the book. And um, I just, I can't, I can't wait to sit down with this book in your garden in summer again next year. Oh, I can't wait, Lisa Joe. I can't wait. 